This is the Two Spies Podcast, a part of the Numa Life family. Get ready to dig deeper in the Bible, have your worldviews challenged, and gain some different perspectives. Now, the conversation begins with your two spies, David and Mark. Take two. <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> You can start at take two. <laughs> so we can't let you hear what we did on take one because it was, <laughs> we were talking really bad about all of you. <laughs> all the listeners out there. Yeah. You made, you made the first cut, but you'll never hear about it. <laughs> we're glad that uh, all, of, all two of you are there. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> so... Uh, it's been a while. I went back this morning and I was listening to uh, the end of the last one. Mark said he was listening to the last two. <laughs> I don't know where it gets all that kind of spare time. <laughs> I had nothing to do. <laughs> but uh, It's about my week. <laughs> I wanted to bring it up because uh, I heard something I made a statement of there that I was flat wrong just to correct it because if you were listening or listening to the end of the last one and beginning of this one within 10 minutes of each other, you'd be like... He just said the other thing. <laughs> so I wanted himself. to say, this is what you should do with the Bible. Study it. Because when you think something and you're wrong and you don't know it, you'll eventually find it by continuing to read it. That's true. Well, so, I mean, no one has all the answers, so we're always being corrected. Yeah, yeah. So the thing I found that I was wrong about was with the statement I made on judges and the time frame. Because as we go through this, I'm trying to keep up with the time frame and tell you the listener what I'm discovering how I track time through the Bible and I believe that it's actually trackable yeah that that's a word now I think so it's trackable sure it's when something is able to be tracked <laughs> <laughs> so the time in Judges uh, if you add together any phrase like the people were oppressed or whatever or they were subdued by some foreign king this number of years, if you add that together with X judge or Y judge was raised up by God, and after they beat the foreign king, then you have a time of peace in the land, quote unquote, had rest. If you add all those times together, uh, up to Jephthah, and I'll let me actually turn here for just a second to my chronology that I've been working on. If I can find Jephthah, oh, here it is. That was quick. <laughs> uh, so here's a, a paragraph I've just written the past couple of days in my chronology paper that I'm working on. Uh, the paragraph starts, time is hard to gauge through judges, but if you add all the years mentioned as, quote, oppressed and, quote, the land had rest, you'll reach 299 years by Judges 10.8. And then Yephthah confirms this span in 11.26, Judges 11.26, uh, saying 300 years. So it was... It, it, what I was seeing, what I was thinking I was seeing, because you see this in the Minor Prophets, that they're spread out over Israel, northern Israel, uh, southern Judah. They're spread out at different places in different times, and there's no, there's nothing they're saying that they are all lined up end to end, like bookends, yeah. and where one ends, the other begins. So I have thought that I have seen that in Judges, but just thought I'm going to add them again I add them up and when you look basically I came across this probably from just searching the word years 
<laughs> That's how you can do a lot of real easy, fast uh, chronology study in the Bible is just type in the word years and see what shows up. And you'll get in these areas where it says so-and-so uh, was so was having this many years old when he became king and he reigned this many years. So you, you end up getting all these places you need to put that together. So I've come across this word years in Judges uh, – 1126 where Yephthah says I think it's to the king of Ammon because Ammon is saying we want our land back and he's, he's like we took your land 300 years ago and you ain't done anything about it yet so tough <laughs> yeah. but just in that statement he's saying we've had it 300 years you haven't done anything so if you continue to add after that, uh, there are 91 years marked for us in the remainder of Judges. So this totals up to 390 years for Judges and Samuel. The unspecified time of Samuel is still the, the main hurdle for accuracy through this period. There is other ways to, out, to mark your accuracy before and after that are more sure. But just doing the work between, because there's a lot of times you actually go up to something. Uh, one I refer to in this paper all the time is First Kings 6. So when Solomon is building the temple and he says, uh, it's been 480 years since we came out of Egypt. You can go back to the date you had when they came out of Egypt, 2729. uh from Adam, F-A, and you can go forward 480 years. That's the fourth year of Solomon. You can subtract four. Then you can subtract 40 for David's rule, 40 for Saul's rule. And then you've got this period right there that you can work up to also to get the the beginning of that, the beginning of Judges. Mm -hmm. So you can work your way towards uh, crunching down from both sides on on gaps that you can't necessarily date through easily. But (laughs) Either way, just just to make a correction on what I said there, the, because and the reason to make a connection on that or a correction on that is because the Bible itself, Yephtha, his words are recorded, and he is confirming what the Bible is showing. Yeah, just just real quick, I would go ahead. I would explain. Um, so when you talked about you know searching the Bible for years, you know there's that phrase. I don't know if we've talked about it, but the year of the Lord. So if someone comes and, and and searches and finds the year of the Lord, um, you know, or the day of the, I don't know if the it's, year of the Lord, the day of the Lord. I know it says day of the Lord, but does it say the year of the Lord? I'm curious. Well, just uh, what I just now did while you said that is I typed in year and Lord just to search it and see how many verses they show up in together. Let's see if there's a year of the Lord and they should be because they're going to show you any verse so like Genesis forty-seven eighteen says and when that year was ended they came to him the following year so you get the and of spread throughout the whole uh, verse yeah. so there's 68 verses that contain all four words if you do just year and Lord There are 89 verses that contain year and Lord. So the Lord said, surely I return to you about this time next year. Sarah, your wife will have a son. So Genesis 18.10 is the first one. The year of the Lord is not something I have noticed. The day of the Lord is the main thing I have looked at. It just hit my mind like (laughs) I wasn't... I mean, yeah, you hear Day of the Lord, but I wouldn't. I think I've heard Year of the Lord maybe in a song, and I was just curious if there's anywhere in the Bible that actually says Year of the Lord. But hmm. I'll let you look that up. What? 
<laughs> if it does say the year of the Lord, I don't think it necessarily means a physical year because we've talked about the day of the Lord doesn't mean a 24-hour day just because of the right. context of what it's saying. So I just wanted, if a listener does happen to come across that specific phrase, I think it's, you know, always also kind of taking the context, you know, like Judges is also like a historical book with some numbers as opposed to like a, a apocryphal apocalyptic book or prophetic yeah. book kind of sharing yeah more of a not initially a date stamp but um, anyway the day of the Lord is also something like because uh, I just got through this uh, minor prophets class and that's one of those things it's Hosea let's see Daniel uses it no actually Daniel does not use that phrase he has two verses that contain day of and of and the and Lord, but it's not the phrase day of the Lord. Hosea uses the day of the Lord. Joel uses it one, two, three, four, five, six different verses contain it. And Amos has about four. Obadiah has a couple. Zephaniah has a great handful. Haggai has, Haggai and Zechariah has the most probably. Hmm. But I had. I, I did one called uh, or a study on just where it shows up the Lord of Host Jehovah's Zebaot just to see where it shows up and just in translation it really refers to all the uh, like the host being the nations because we see through the Bible this concept of the host of heaven being controlling over the nations <laughs> and they, the the post-exile prophets use that phrase much more than all the pre-exile prophets. So they have this homeland and they get sent into exile in Babylon and then when they get sent back one day after Cyrus decrees they can go back and build a temple then the, all the, the post-exile prophets start using Jehovah's Zebaot kind of saying that he is no matter where you went to in your exile no matter how far away from home you went Yahweh was still God there he's still God of every, every nation hmm. so day of the Lord was not specifically tied to post-exile prophets but Zechariah has a pile even though he is a post-exile anyway so Joseph <laughs> <laughs> Oh, one last neat thing while I'm turning back to my other notes. Uh, in my chronology paper, I was just discovering the way to get through the exile has always been a, a hard thing for me to figure out because you come to, then you come to secular dating tied to foreign kings. And all the way up through there, you can go up through the patriarchs and then through Joshua and through all them. Then you get into the kings. You can follow the line of David, and you, it's year for year. It's down pat. So, I mean, it's only 3,600 years from Adam to the burning of the temple. <laughs> and the the neat thing is the uh, there are different sources for the years, but the Talmudic sources, this has been written down by uh, teachers like Ezra, the Talmudic sources had the years listed for uh, Nebuchadnezzar, Amul Marduk, his son, and Belshazzar. They add up to 70. So in Jeremiah 25, he says, you're going to serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Well, they served, according to Talmudic sources, on the years of reign, they served uh, 70 years under the king of Babylon. 
the king kept changing, but it was still the king of Babylon. The, the Babylon kingdom ended 70 years after they, after the first visit of Nebuchadnezzar. So, is that what they're marking the 70 years by? Well, if you go look at secular dating, it actually points you that the 70 year period is from the burning of the temple to the finishing of the temple. While there is no temple, there's no communion with God, there's no meeting place. Mm-hmm. So secular dating, <coughs> B.C., and when you look it up now, you're going to see B.C.E. before Common Era because they don't want to mm-hmm. use Christ, actually confirms that the temple was the thing that, that the 70-year exile would be. It's an exile from communion with God. Mm-hmm. But what were the Jews in exile for? Because they were not paying attention to God or his laws, and they're the ones focused on a foreign king, in a sense, by yeah. dating their 70 years by foreign kings. Hmm. I just thought it was, there's two 70-year periods that overlap there. One's attached to kings of Babylon, which is odd, just because it's specifically Babylon, and the other one is tied to a separation from a meeting place with God. That's interesting. But you can date it out by uh, the sixth, according to uh, secular dating of the B.C., dating style the sixth year of Darius is 515 BC and it's the sixth year biblically in Ezra is the sixth year of Darius when the temple was completed mm. but it's just it's just odd it's fun stuff but that's what I've been stuck in is calendars and <laughs> dating and stuff <laughs> when I was younger I was all about dating but I didn't do it much and <laughs> now <laughs> Now I'm into a different kind of dating, and it's easier to do it because it's one-sided. I just (laughs) open a book. (laughs) So, speaking of dating, Joseph got married. He did. Congratulations, Joseph. (laughs) Had two kids. (laughs) So that's where we kind of ended the last one, then we started talking about dating a little bit. Yeah. So... What you got on that? <laughs> we got married and had two kids, and um, we've happily ever after. He's a king. Well, he's not a king. He's the governor. He was the Asenath-Zaphonapanea. Uh, <laughs> there you go. I, no, he was I can't pronounce the, that name. He but, was yeah. in the Asenath. He married Asenath. Yeah, so the, his funny Egyptian name. His funny Egyptian name. Z-Man. Sure is fun. The Z-Man. Okay, so I just did a little bit of looking into uh, what his wife's name means and his father-in-law etc nothing like major revealing here but she who is of neath asanath and she who is of neath neath would be a uh i don't remember if it's a god or goddess i think it's a goddess of egypt Hmm. potiphar or potiphar he is given by ra or he is given by the sun Joseph was originally sold to Potiphar. There's only a, basically a letter difference. Uh, so it would mean the same thing. He was, uh, let's see, Potiphar, who was the father of Asenath, who gave Joseph his daughter. He was a priest of On. Uh, I know in English it's O-N, but in Hebrew it's a three-letter word. So Just like On and, just like Job. Yeah. Job. Yeah. You got to go get a job. Actually, Job in Hebrew, I think, is four letters. Really? <laughs> is it Job? <laughs> no, it's uh, Yob. 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 Oh. Let me get back to the beginning of it because I'm flipping there. I wonder if that was a common name back then. I don't know about that, but 
Eob, hated enemy. Hmm. <laughs> that's what you yeah. should name your kid. Eob. Of course, that's one of those things too. You had to wonder: was that his name? He was his given name as by he was born, or was that a name that was kind of stuck to him as a title later? Hmm. Like Ruth. Yeah. Mara. Okay, Genesis. I was just getting back here so I would be in the right place. <laughs> Genesis 41. 41? Yeah. That's where he talks about him getting married. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what chapter are you on, David? Because now I'm screwed. I just opened up where my uh, bookmark was. Okay, because now I was like, I'm screwed. <laughs> my notes are 41 and like 42, 43, so I'm like, uh-oh. Okay, so just uh, looking at the own... Uh, it's one of those, another one of those words that contains a particular Hebrew letter or two that you can, you can move the Masoretic dot, the vowel dot around, and it's either on or it becomes oven. It's still exactly the same letters. Yeah. You just change the the dots around to give different vowel pronunciations. So on was a city of, uh, with a temple of sun worship. Another Hebrew word with these same exact letters, if you move the Masoretic marks around, is pronounced Avon, as in Beth Avon, the house of idolatry. So Beth being house, Avon is obviously idolatry. So it's one of those things also I look at and I think, did they, did they take the word on and change the, the vowels a little bit to pronounce it different, but it means the word idolatry to them later on because idolatry would have been taking place there. Mm. It's a temple with sun worship happening. But uh, Beth Aben, house of idolatry. Hebrew translation given to this city would be Beth Shemesh. So it was a temple of sun worship. Beth, house, Shemesh, sun, house of the sun. The Arabic name for this place is Ayin Shems. Ayin means uh, I, literally, or fountain. There's your easy Arabic, easy Hebrew word, Ayin. <laughs> Ayin means I. So uh, Ayin, but also it means like a, a I, like a fountain that, like, or a spring that comes up out of the ground. So that's the Ayin. So uh, this would also be just for your, you're looking at a map sometimes when you're looking at uh Palestine or Israel or Promised Land or whatever you want to call it, maps, and you see some place called En Gedi or En something, E-N, that's going to be a fountain or a spring there. But in the Arabic, Ayn uh, Shems would also be fountain of the sun, Shems, Shemesh, same. So, uh, a little bit of lesson here on naming your kids because pastors always like to joke and say, uh, uh, Mephibosheth, there's a name for your kid if anybody's <laughs> looking for a name. Here's one not to use is Manasseh. <laughs> Manasseh. So Genesis 41, 51. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh or the Hebrew would be uh, Manasseh. For he said, God has made me forget all my hardship in all my father's house. The name of the second he called Ephraim, for God had made him uh, has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. So, Manasseh means forget or forgetful. Mm. Ephraim means fruitful. So it looks good in connotation, but if you consider down the line, like generations later, somebody says, "I'm going to name my son after Joseph's son Manasseh." <laughs> so Manasseh turns out to be a bad choice for future sons. <laughs> 
uh, King Hezekiah has a fairly was a fairly good king and named his son Manasseh, who became one of the most evil kings Judah had ever had. He forgot. Manasseh means forget. Huh. Manasseh forgot all the things his father Hezekiah had done. So yeah. Hezekiah took down the high places, etc., and and tried to get Israel back towards. Yahweh God worship and right when Massa takes over he goes back and rebuilds all the high places that kind of stuff yeah uh, Manasseh forgot all the things his father Hezekiah had done he forgot the law of Moses he forgot Yahweh God altogether so later after the Babylonian exile uh, there are the returning exiles two of them if you just look up the name Manasseh in the Bible you'll find a list of the Manassehs two of them are noted as having married foreign women which was what Ezra and Nehemiah had major issues with and made them all separate from their foreign wives because that was originally some of the problem they had before the exile why did Manasseh do it because they forgot this is what got us in trouble in the first place. Wow. So there's not any good connotations for Manasseh <laughs> later on. Don't name your kid Manasseh. <laughs> Easily forget her. <laughs> Easily forget her. Is that a word? Forget her? <laughs> it is now. Our dictionary is coming out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, get your two-spot dictionary on the website soon. <laughs> there's a forget her and uh, a trackable... <laughs> There you go. <laughs> well, not attractable, but <laughs> we could make one attractable. That'd be good. Attractable. Attractable. That's when somebody's good looking. There you go. See, we're making that word. They're good. able to attract people. <laughs> one who attracts. You gotta add the one who. Oh, they're an attractor. Yeah, one who attracts. Make it simplified. Well, I mean, all attractors are attractable. No, that's true. What about de- what about the detractables? Exactly. <laughs> what about them? <laughs> They're not here. They're not in the dictionary. Uh, that's mean, Mark. I mean, what about people like me? We're, we're, we're attractables. <laughs> we're attractables. And the, and the eye of the beholder, man. Come on. Yeah. That's all relative. I only needed to find one. I found her. <laughs> I was attractable to her. There you go. Ephraim. Ephraim. He did not forget. He made fruit. <laughs> Ephraim means fruitful. He was a younger of younger son of the two, but he was treated preferentially preferentially over the firstborn. This was, uh, if you remember, when you read uh, Jacob on his deathbed, is going to bless them, and he crosses his hands. I guess we're going to come to this. We're not there yet, but uh, he crosses his, puts his right hand on Ephraim the younger, which is. Another one, we've said this a hundred times already, and that's, you know, any idiomatic, that's not literal, but <laughs> <laughs> the firstborn in the Bible is not the, the blessed one yeah. most of the time. So maybe Noah and Jesus. <laughs> there are exceptions. Noah and Jesus, we've had a couple of other ones we named, but either way, the majority of the time it's a... Uh, well, Jesus an, is the second Adam, so okay. technically a secondborn. Okay. okay. He's the firstborn son of God. Yeah. But Adam was the son of God, too. Yeah, so. Is that in Luke's or Matthew's genealogy? And the earth was a virgin, technically. The so, earth? Yeah, never had kids. Never had people on it. So God made Adam. <laughs> from, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going way out of left field. I don't okay. know. We'll just, we'll just keep going. Keep rolling. Mark, I don't believe in Mother Earth. 
<laughs> we finally found something we disagree Whoa, on. Oh, Mother Earth. There you go. <laughs> I didn't know where I was going with that, so go ahead. Uh, let's see. Uh, in the end, talking about Ephraim. Mm-hmm. In the end, when he came into when they came into the land, uh, these two tribes are sometimes referred to as Joseph, meaning Manasseh and Ephraim, are sometimes referred in whole as Joseph. And usually, that's when you see a list that involves um, Levite or Levi. But if a list does not have Levi, you usually have Manasseh and Ephraim mentioned separately. Excuse me. So uh, Ephraim's territory is so large that a lot of times the northern kingdom is referred to as Ephraim or as Joseph instead of as being called Israel. Hmm. Is it is it really referred to as Joseph in the Bible? I think I've seen it in... Hmm. Actually, let's look. It's a real easy thing. We're just looking the prophets for... I don't remember ever seeing that, so... The word Joseph. I'm curious. Yeah, so Amos, a couple of examples. Five five verses, prophet, when I look for Joseph in the Minor Prophets. Seek the Lord and live, lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph, and it devour with none to quench it for Bethel. Mm. Hate, uh, hate evil and love good, and this is Amos 5.15. Hate evil and love good, establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord... The God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Amos 6, uh, who drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the finest oils, but are not greed of the ruin of Joseph. Abadiah 118, the house of Joseph aflame. And then Zechariah 10, 6, uh, I will strengthen the house of Judah and I will save the house of Joseph. Okay. Either way. So... But the Northern Kingdom's landmass-wise is primarily, I think, I think that's right. That's probably the largest one. We need more maps. No, I'm <laughs> wrong. That's not the largest one. But there's East Manasseh and West Manasseh, so they end up taking on both sides of the Jordan majority of all of they it. They wanted their land early. Well, the East Manassans, would you call them Manassans or Manassers? <laughs> You know what you call people from Maine, right? No. They're Mainers. <laughs> Learned that from the Maine cabin masters on the Mainer, Network. Mainers. Mainers. They're not Maineanians <coughs> like South Carolinians. Yeah. And we're not South Carolinaers. <laughs> Even though it sounds like something we would say. <laughs> no, that's true. Dictionary coming soon. Uh what you got anything though right there well I was just going to kind of go back just uh, like verse 41 um, just well verse 41 42 and Pharaoh said to Joseph see I have set you over all the land of Egypt the, then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in the garments of fine linen and put a cold chain around his neck just kind of you know that significance of the Pharaoh taking his signet ring and putting it on Joseph is a pretty huge deal it's pretty much like you know the president, you know, or you know, in England, where they're when the person's kneeling down and they knight them or whatever it mm-hmm. is, or and then give them the sword. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I mean, so this is like a huge deal, saying, "Hey, Joseph, you know, you're in charge." Basically, it's a free credit card. Do whatever you want. Make me look good. I won't take all the credit, but you're the one that's going to do all the work. So, I mean, so I just thought I just I don't kind think of, it would bother me though. Hmm? I don't think it would bother me. 
No. Because in the end, Joseph, when he's at home at night with his beautiful new wife that he's been given, they're having supper. It doesn't matter who's getting credit out in the field for Pharaoh did this and blah, blah, blah. I don't think it mattered to Joseph. I mean, he just was in prison not too long ago. So here he is now getting the signet ring. And I just kind of want to, you know, emphasize that, you know, that power and that trust is now being given to him um, from prison to this position. Um, now he's getting chicken with his <coughs> beans and wine. I mean, beans and rice. Now he's getting chicken and wine with his beans and rice. There you go. Yeah. So, there you go. <laughs> beans and wine would probably not be good for tomorrow. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> you know, another thing that we were talking, you know, we were talking about Revelation and Daniel just a little bit ago um, off the podcast. That was in take one. Yeah, that was in take one. <laughs> Sorry. Before you, before you guys listen to us. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a lot of times Daniel is given credit um, and pushed, which is good um, as far as uh, a Christian living in a pagan culture, secular culture. You know, I remember um, a friend of mine who was um, working at a, a local college here and... You know, he was. I think I've shared this in the podcast. David's eating some butterfinger. <laughs> um, there's a rapper, uh, and I'm drinking Pepsi Zero. Anyway, yeah, but I drank one of those. That's negative calories. Do you want another one? I got one more. No, I'm good. Go okay. ahead. <laughs> um, but he, when he was working at the college, he was um, he worked like a, a VP type role, and. Um, they sent out, and he always had a little scripture in his signature, in his email, and um, he was up, he was an openly Christian, but he never, you know, you know, he didn't wear a Jesus tie or, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> but you know, he worked hard. People knew he was going to church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they knew he had obligations um, to certain things at the church, blah, blah blah. So, but they sent out an email several years ago to them and or to the whole college and they asked um, for everyone if they have anything other than their extension their name you know what their position is and their signature there's no religious affiliation no, no political statements you know <coughs> all this stuff and so you know he's started thinking you know um about putting a, a, a lid on Christianity, a lid on um, freedom of speech, in a, in a sense. So he was wondering, you know, or obviously in, because of his position, he can't talk about Jesus to students. You know, if he hears someone struggling, he can't point them to Jesus. He's got to yeah. point them to. So he was struggling with, you know, when is it time to say something? Or to take a stand, so to speak, and and he was struggling. You know, he was always he was so he was working on a little title, a uh, paper for himself, and it was called you know how to be a Christian in a secular environment or secular culture. <clears throat> and he said, I just started reading Daniel because I mean, who else better um, to figure out when is it time to take a stand and when is it time to just shut up and do your job? Yeah, and so. And so I hear a lot of things about Daniel, which is good, but when we're doing the study of Joseph, it made me think, Joseph's forgotten. I mean, Egypt is a pagan culture. It's a pagan nation. Mm -hmm. He's probably the only Yahweh-serving man in that land. And so he's probably in a worse position, I guess, 
Daniel at least had some friends, but so Joseph's by himself yeah. in this pagan place, and he didn't, you know, I don't mean to get on a, a soapbox, but, you know, he didn't, like, go on a street corner and and do marches against the culture. He didn't, um, you know, I don't, you know, he, he didn't, you know, that we know of, apparently he didn't parade around sharing you know, Yahweh or openly, you know, social media, you know, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like here, you know, we're always, some people push things like, um, Oh, target is, um, you know, promoting mm-hmm. atheism or, or, or gay homos- pride, yeah, or, gay pride or whatever. Don't, yeah. don't shop there. We should march against them and, and all this stuff. And I, I think it has its place in a, in a way, but here, Joseph, well, I don't think Joseph shopped at Target, though. <laughs> Target. 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 Um, but, you know, here, Joseph, you know, I see Joseph being faithful to God. And the people, even Pharaoh, these guys are noticing this guy's God is watching out for him. Yeah. And his God's blessing whatever he touches. So, yeah. okay. So, you know, and he's not really parading it around. He's... He's watching out for the nation by preparing them for famine. Um, he's preparing them and and everything for what's coming. So he's loving the pagan people. He's you know doesn't want to see them starve to death. So you know I think Joseph is a, a great example of a Christian. You know we call a Christian. Yeah. Um, in a pagan culture, I think of my own examples of um, you know should I worked at Pizza Hut as a delivery driver and. There you were either an atheist, you were a Christian who um, was not a Christian, <laughs> um, if you if you get what I mean, a Christian in name only, I guess. And my manager was Muslim, and um, you know we had great conversations, and and that was a little more leeway. Um, I was openly allowed to talk about religion, especially since me and my manager had fun talks, but. Um, you know, how, you know, wh- how do you know when to open your mouth or when to be quiet? And I delivered wings, and everyone at that place was atheist, and everyone there was either a drug user or an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I never, there was no, there was, I didn't feel a need to push my values on them, but. One earned earned the respect by work being the hardest working person there. Yeah, um, I made sure I worked hard. Kept my you know I had fun. I talked to them. It's not like you know, but I worked hard. Made sure and they noticed that I was a hard worker. Um, they noticed um, I was always happy and I didn't need drugs. Um, so they started asking me questions and then you know it began it began just regular conversations about life and. You know, there are struggles about things. And I remember, I think I've shared it before, but, um, you know, I had to use the restroom and the owner was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. And I said, what? what?" He said, all my playboys are in there. I got to hide them from you. And I said, what? And he said, well, I don't want you to see them. And I was, you know. So, so, I'm not going to make a 
comment. <laughs> I am gonna make a comment. He's a Muslim. No, no, this boss. was this was the wing place. Oh, okay, I thought yeah. the boss at the at the wing place was a Muslim guy. No, that was pizza. Okay, pizza and wings. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, um, the the wing place was nothing but atheists who got high and drank. So, but you know they. So you know, based you know there were com- it was just conversations, but you know, I didn't parade around. I didn't wear, you know, <laughs> you know Christian jewelry or whatever. But you know, I worked hard. I let my attitude reflect Jesus as best as I could, um, and I let that kind of speak. Even though there were t- when the window was open, I opened my mouth. Yeah. Um. So I, I took that as initiative as just like Joseph, you know. When it was time to interpret the dreams, he went, he went going back down and said, hey, "This is Yahweh, this is my God." That's what who I was gave looking me back right here. Is not, he's, he told him up front, "I can't yeah. do this, but God can. My God can do it." Yeah. And then he, from there, he doesn't seem to witness to Pharaoh. He just starts doing. Uh, when you said, uh, "I don't," I didn't feel the need. I have realized more in my time at my work. Everybody in my crew, I've been working with them now for. Uh, 12-ish years. They all know who I am. I know who they all are. I have been openly and loudly vocal Christian enough. Yeah. They all know that. There's no reason for me to keep pushing that. There's a reason for me to continue to work. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, all things said, now do. Yeah. And... I'm looked up to in a way because God, I can see it. God has pushed me and promoted me up. He's given me the attitude I have. He's, which is terrible sometimes. He's working with the one I've given him, <laughs> but he's given me my mind. He's given me my ability to understand what my job is yeah. and how to solve problems with the, the the product I worked on. I work on. He's given me all that. He's given me my work ethic by the older brother he gave me. The parents he gave me, but all things said and done, he has formed me into who I am, and so I, I've told him who I am. There's no reason to keep preaching and hitting him over the head with my Bible. Yeah, it's just a reminder occasionally. This is who I stand stand for. So we got uh, money together for my boss from everybody on the crew, whatever you wanted to give, to go and buy a gift card from Lowe's. I have a great boss in the sense that he. I won't say he's a micromanager, but he ha- he's hands-on, mm-hmm. and he is, uh, what's the word, not counterproductive, but pre-productive. He is preemptive in what he his, his actions on trying to accomplish the task. But in that sense, when you need something to do your job, if he sees that you're wanting to do your job, he's going to do his best to get that thing for you. Or give you all the time you need to go find it or whatever, but he's, yeah. he's a helpful boss. So... Uh, most everybody gave, but not everybody on our crew, even a lot of our, our crew, some of them are just Christians in words. Yeah. Some of them are non-Christians, uh, and they're just basically decent people. Right. But still, there's the same thing as everywhere else you go to work. There's a pile of people, and people are who they are. <laughs> so uh, the thing is, though, uh the guy who was collecting the money went on vacation, so he gave me all that he had so far, and I continued to get a little bit more, and I went and got the uh, the card 
this morning. My wife brings, because I'm going to be off all weekend before Christmas here, my wife brings me, I I called her and said, do you have a Christmas card I can give to my boss? And uh, everybody can sign. She says, oh yeah, we have one. So she she says, you want me to bring it? She brings it. I go ahead and sign it, put the card inside and leave it. And I call a guy and say, I left this at your desk. And uh, I was looking at the card and it's basically some Colossians uh, 1 stuff about uh, he was uh, the image of God and the world was made through him and by him. It was, a, it was a mix of some Colossians things and some John 1 things. And on the front is a, a very extremely Christian. There's no holiday <laughs> card thing. It's it's a flat out <laughs> Jesus is the the main deal here. And this is, I told my wife, I said, that's a very good card because everybody in my crew is going to be signing their name on it. They're going to be looking at it. My boss is going to see it. And I've said, and people are going to say, "Oh, David got this card," but they're going to have to read it and see what is what is what's it what's you know what's going and on with it. Some of them will read it just out of curiosity, I think. Yeah. So, but I just basically asked Hayson, "Says, uh, do you have a Christmas card?" She says, "Yeah, we have one." She brings that one. I'm like, "This is a good one. Good pick." <laughs> so, you know, kind of staying on this, what what it because you work in a secular world, I, I work in a church, and it's been you know ten plus years since I've worked. Outside of outside of the church, and I think some there's a negative sometimes working in church that you lose touch with um, reality. And, <laughs> Just yeah, I mean, not necessarily. I mean, like you know, there's sometimes you you come in contact with people who don't go to church, whether you meet them at restaurants, waitresses, mm-hmm. waiters, um, or friends you've friendships you've developed over the years, and um, but still, overall, you're surrounded by Christians. Now, not all of them are Christians in practice, but they're churchgoers, I guess. And yeah. so your life is consumed with church-ish things. Yeah. So, you know, when I was a Christian, you know, when I worked at Michelin and, and Pizza Hut and Wings and Mattress Delivery and um, all these things, you know, I think each was a different set of circumstances as far as when to share my faith, <coughs> when to shut up, but... All my jobs, you know, I made sure work hard. Um, let that be because when when it does time when it does come time for you to open your mouth or when the opportunity arises to witness in a sense, mm-hmm. if you're not a hard worker, to me, I mean, it's gonna be just it's gonna be worse you when build, you open your mouth. Yeah, you build your own podium. Yeah, I, just just shut up. Don't don't sit here, Christian. Just, yeah. just shut I up. met some customers the other day. I went out. It was not a customer like there's a job to be done. It was a customer like customer complaint. Mm-hmm. We have tickets. Sometimes people call in and they complain about some situation they want us to come fix. Well, some contracting a, a contractor. Uh, company we use sends individual crews out the same as they send us as AT&T sends excuse me <laughs> edit that word out yeah well <laughs> it's the same as my company sends me out as a individual technician to go to a customer and that we have multiple ones of us we work in cahoots with this other company who sends out digging crews well they had gotten a contract to go out and place some fiber in X across X area and they go across this front yard and it has we you know we've had three days of rain average every week for the past two months. Heavy rains. There is no drying out in the three to four days where it's not raining. It's just not drying out. If it's a sunny day, you still got mush on the side of the road. You be careful when you pull over. Yeah. And so 
they're calling to complain they want their yard fixed. And it's like, yeah, the trench is sinking because you cannot pack mud. You should just wait and we will fix it. No, they want it fixed now because they got company coming in from all over the place. They're both about four foot tall. They're both loud. They have the worst personalities. They're really, really well. What's the, what's the uh, the pulpit podcast word I can use? They're both bitching like crazy. <laughs> and he's got a marine hat on to brag that he was a marine, and also a big, huge silver cross on his necklace to show that he's a Christian. Mm-hmm. He makes sure that I know, or she makes sure that I know that the church they're living in, they point across the road is owned by the church. No, excuse me, the house they're living in is owned by the church. Okay, and, and he makes sure I know that she's an officer in the church. And it's one of those situations I just almost wanted to say, I wish I would not tell anybody you're Christians ever again. Please don't don't tell anybody. Because when my boss, I, call, I got the job and I called him, he knows I got the job because he kind of assigned it to me. And uh, he... <laughs> Just, you know, on the phone, me and him, he's like, this guy is an ultra prick. He is a major jerk. And I'm going out there thinking this is the kind of person I'm going towards. And I stand face to face to him and they are just, they tell me every accomplishment that they are and who they are and how important they are. And she said, we can't have this. We got company or we got family coming in from all over the country. And I mean, Alaska and Hawaii and everywhere. It's like, okay, you're somebody. I'm still not going to do a thing with your yard today. And the crew, the crew that could come out here and do it, couldn't do it when it's a pile of mud. Yeah. It can be fixed, but we work all year round. It's, I don't know. It's, <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's just like me, me and you were going to a pizza place pretty regularly for a while, and we started developing friendships with the waitresses mm-hmm. and having conversations, and we went, I think you were there, um, with a bunch of the church people. Yeah. Um, and one of them was making a fit. Were you there that day? Yes. Yes. And... I, I, the last I, time I ever ate out in public with that person. Yeah, and I and I leaned to one of the other people and I said, "Don't don't don't mention we're from the church. Don't say anything." I yeah. didn't tell this person. I told the other person who yeah. I know is who likes to witness. I said, "Don't don't don't don't." Yeah, because it was kind of killing the way he was acting towards the. Per- it wasn't their fault. Yeah. Just the way he was acting was kind of. I was kind of upset. Like. You know, me and David come here often, and yeah, this is kind of ruining what's you know. So, you know, but I was going to ask you, like, because you work not just for a secular company, but you also work, you know, dealing with customers outside of your company. It is public. Yeah. So, like, what are your thoughts about? <laughs> so, so what are your viewpoints? You know, as far as like, you know, um, a Christian in, in a pagan secular culture, whatever. You know, obviously, you know, there's things that um, Christians disagree with us, with our culture. And how, how would you mention or how would you or what advice would you give someone who is a Christian in a secular environment? You know, when to Let's start with co-workers, because you'll have co-workers that are uh, have been at the 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 company longer than you whatever the company is and every company at least nowadays 
because you can talk to anybody in any place, any corporate situation, every company is pushing down number pages of numbers and games that mean nothing at all to the product and the customer. They do not mean anything to reality of actually making things work. They're just a, a system of numbers and it's a game that we play to get our paychecks. Okay, so there is the fine line between existing and surviving that game and actually doing the job uh, I'll just say in righteousness. It means in honesty. To actually execute giving the customer what they're actually giving money for because they go to jobs and then they pay a bill to my company. My company sends me out to say, install this new thing or fix this thing that exists that's now broken for some reason. And I go out there thinking to myself, this person is paying money. I need to put all my effort into that. Well, we've got plenty of guys who are just playing the game only because the, you can make, you can look like gold on paper to the company and they think you're a good worker and they think you're a good employee and you stink in the eyes of the customer and all your coworkers. Hmm. So I've had coworkers say to me, this place will make you lie, cheat, and steal. And I say, no, it won't. And the older ones look at me because I'm just a young kid and I'm stupid, so what do I know? And they say, oh, you will eventually. Hmm. And I said, watch me. And to this day, that is not how I work and that's not how I do things. And my numbers sometimes absolutely stink and when my boss's boss has asked him, my boss comes back to me and says, his boss wants to know what's wrong with these four guys' numbers. And when my name comes up, my boss says, I can give him anything and he'll go do it. No matter what crap it is, he'll go do it. And he may not do it fast, but he will stay with it until he finds the solution. And does it right. And does it right. He doesn't give up. Like I said, I just now spent four days on a job, and we're supposed to be, for you, the listener, what my job is, how we're geared is to go out, and they want the company wants you to do things in two hours and 20 minutes, and I'm being literal. They want almost every single customer fixed and done in two hours no and 20 what. minutes. Right. It doesn't matter if it's a 20-minute problem that I, could, I found immediately, and I fixed it and walked off. All my jobs should average out to that. But then when you get into something that's been neglected by the, the past 15 to 20 years worth of technicians, yeah. and it is now a major problem that's going to be a four or five day fix, somebody's got to do that. <laughs> you can't just keep putting people Band-Aids. on the next best bad thing. So I'm, I'm talking about service wires. You can't put people on the next best bad pair. Yeah. because the old one doesn't work anymore so you find another one it's in the same physical situation it's got the same bad trouble so it's going to happen to that pair too so I mean if you keep doing that and keep doing that and keep doing that you just simply make them keep calling back in that's a headache for the customer it's it's cheap fast work but I'm just saying your co-workers are going to look at you and say you're going to have to play the game whether you like it or not no you don't that's a lie you do not have to lie, cheat, and steal. And if you do have to lie, cheat, and steal, at most companies, you're, you're gonna have, your boss is going to come to you and say, you're not doing this, this, and this. And it's going to be something to do with the numbers game. Hmm. And you're going to say, well, I'm really doing this, this, and this, which is something to do with the right way to do things. And then you look at that boss and you say, what do you actually want me to do? They're not going to tell you to not do the right thing. 
<laughs> because they, they, they doesn't you can't come out of their mouth. Yeah. So you know that you're actually standing in the right place. And if that place gets rid of you and fires you for doing that, you the Christian, good for you. Go get another job because God is saying, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, God says to you in that situation, you were my child, you acted like my child, you really did do the right thing, and then you got fired by this company because the only way somebody can fire you is God let them fire you. God probably let them fire you because he's already got an open door for you at a better company. Hmm. And you'll go there and you'll be blessed and accepted He's got things ready like that, and I've seen yeah. it over and over again. Every time that I do in the past, though, my, for some reason I've had this boss for a while, but most of the time in the past when I have actually witnessed to a boss for a time and then some situation comes up where I actually do do the right thing, or and I'll say this also for you, the Christian out there working in the secular world for some boss, if you do the wrong thing and you go to the boss and admit it, nobody does that. <laughs> And that's, that's also true. Christian. And you look at him and you say, I did the wrong thing. I'm sorry. And I know it's not right. And I just, I can't, I can't work that way. I need to come tell you. It's going to stun them and they're going to start paying attention to, I can't believe he just did that. I don't have another man on my crew that does that kind of thing. <laughs> that's going to stick out just as much as always doing the right thing. But yeah, I guess it really comes because you see a customer for, like I say, on average, I'm supposed to see a customer for around two hours. Yeah and be done and leave and go to another one. And sometimes you're in an area where you see them for repeated days on end. They get to know you in the same restaurants if you work in the same area all the time, et cetera, or gas stations. But the the guys who really know me are the ones I work with who have known me for, I've been there 20, 21 years. Not with the same group, but I've been with almost exactly the same group for 12, 13 years. Those guys know me and there's an ongoing watch there whether we whether we would all admit that or not we all watch each other oh yeah sure and you see I go behind this guy because he was you know go behind as in somebody goes out to do a job they don't fix it I go behind them because the customer calls back in that's going behind him and if I go behind the same guy repeatedly for five years that's his reputation and everybody knows it and if somebody goes behind me what is my reputation yeah so and I've had guys look at me and say, uh, you were here. I'm pretty confident that there's nothing wrong and it's actually the customer's thinking or something's wrong or something's brand new wrong. And I've had people say that to me. So it's just a matter of I have wanted to do the best I can do for God's image Yeah, that he has told me to carry. That's a good point. But I, mean, I don't know where you get... Any sample advice out of that, or if that was way too long and, no, went, and long-winded? It, it, it was funny. It reminded me of a story. When I worked at the wing place, um, I, I delivered to a bunch of uh, college trunks, delivered some wings near downtown Green, Greenville, and um, and as I and <laughs> when I walked to the door, you know, the door's wide open. There's like 20, 30 college students all around the yard inside. You know, they're all drinking. And so I get to the front door, and there's a guy standing there. I'm like, yeah, who ordered wings? Nobody. All right. So I turn around, and I'm leaving. He's like, well, where are you going? Did you order wings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn back around, walk back up steps, <laughs> and he's standing in the doorway. I'm like, did you order them? 
He said, yeah. I said, all right. And I told him the price. He said, I'm not paying that. I said, okay, I'll see you later. He's not letting me inside, so I'm, I'm turning around. He said, oh, I'm just joking. Come back up here. I said, I'm not doing this again. You're either going to pay me or I'm just going to leave. And so I get in there. And he's got the money, and he's waving at my face. And he's not handing it to me. I'm like, oh, my goodness, really? He's like, you want to fight? I'm like, no. I was like, just give me the money and I'll leave. Yeah, I'm trying to work and for And he's like, well, here. I'm not giving you a tip. I'm like, okay, whatever. And so he keeps fanning the money in my face. So I just grab it from his hand and I walk off. I don't know if, I don't know if he needs change or not. I just grab what he had. And so I walk off. I'm counting it. And it was enough to cover the wings, so I'm good. And so I get in my car and he's, he gets on top of my uh, roof. Or not my roof, my hood. Yeah. And he's just sitting on my hood. So I turn on my car. And I roll, you know, I roll out my window and I say, "Hey, I'm leaving." He's like, "No, you're not." I was just backed up. Surely you did. Well, so I gave him like two warnings, and I said, "I'm I'm driving off. I have to go." And so he keeps threatening to fight me and give him his money back. And so I, fl- so I just step on the gas. He falls off. I don't care. Yeah. So I'm flying. You know, he falls off, and I get back. But this was like a 30, 40 minute. Delivery, bet- delivery, yeah. which could have taken fifteen minutes. I mean, it was fifteen minutes from the location, so you know. <coughs> so I get back to, and it's just me and the owner of the the, the place, <laughs> and West is his name. And so he's like mad because there's so many, there's a lot of deliveries on a Friday night, and so and I'm the only delivery driver. And so he's mad. You know what's taking so long? I have to call. And so I told him what happened. And West is a mountain man. He lives he lives about two hours away in North Carolina in the mountains. He doesn't have cable. He hates people. Um, the only reason why he's <laughs> the only reason why he owned the wing place was to pay off his mortgage in his house and he said as soon as it's paid off, I'm done. Yeah. I'm that's what he he just lived in the mountains, didn't care about T V, didn't care about chop wood. I mean, he was like a regular mountain man. He grew. He he got his hair cut and shaved his beard once a year, and then the rest the, throughout the year he just let it grow until the first of January. He would shave it all off and let it just you know. Anyway, he was a, he was a different guy. He was funny. I knew a mountain man like that. He would cut his beard once a year. Yeah. The rest of the time he just let it grow the whole year. Yeah, oh yeah. He he was he was a trip. He was funny. But um, so I get so he's like you know mad. I'm telling him what happened. He gets the receipt. He sees the address. He says, "Did you hit him?" I said, no. He's like, oh, that's right. You're a Christian. I said, well, that doesn't mean I can't hit somebody. <laughs> he said, I mean, I can still hit somebody, but I don't want to get into a fight. And so he's like, well, I'm, ha- I'm having a bad night. I don't know what he was stressed about. And so so he said, well, can you cook the wings? I'm like, sure. He's, he's like, don't worry about the other deliveries. Um, if they call, just tell them. We'll get them as soon as possible. We'll give them a discount, blah, blah, blah. And he said, don't take any more delivery or don't take any more orders till I get back. I'm like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to the house to fight. And I was like, you're joking, right? He's like, no. He gets his knife and his gun. He puts it in his pants and he goes and locks the door. I'm freaking out like, oh, gosh, he's going to kill somebody. <laughs> and so he comes back about an hour later. And I said, did you fight? He's like, no. He said, I walked in there. I dropped my knife. I dropped my gun. I said, come on. And they refused to fight him. So. But we had a conversation afterwards. But um, so it was, you know, the, 
So I don't know where that. I don't know what. <laughs> What was that Joseph. about? Joseph. Joseph. Had two kids. And, uh, he's <laughs> and a wife. On, and a wife. <laughs> so he had a ring and a gold chain. And, and he, he went to fight the guy with the chicken wings. He went to fight the guy with chicken wings. Anyway. So there, we, we're talking about how to be secular, uh, have yeah. Christians in secular world. So really, Joseph is a good example of when, when to keep your mouth shut. I mean, really, just work hard and God will honor your work ethic. Yeah. And the opportunity, I think, will come. When it's time, the funny thing is that you, you say there too, and I guess I guess we'll end up seeing it. But if you need to get in the fight and you don't want to fight because you're a man of God, God sends people in your life who are like, "I'll go do it and I'll take care of your situation. I'll defend you." Have I, have I told you the story? So, so when I got saved, anyway, so when I got saved, um, uh, maybe maybe about a year after I got saved, um, there was another guy that was coming to church here who was. He's always been a drug dealer, always been a drug user, and he was trying to get his life straight and started coming to church, and the youth pastor here was like, hey, I want you to come out and hang out with uh, Chris, and I'm like, okay, who's that? He's like, I just think y'all would be a good fit. So we're hanging out together. <coughs> we build a really we build a really strong friendship, and he just, he tried, and he just couldn't do the Christian thing. Um, he loved money and he loved drugs too much and he loved women mm-hmm. and so um, he just and he would tell you I believe in God I believe in Jesus he would tell you I'm going to hell if I die he's like I don't want to but I can't give up money I can't give up sex and I can't give up drugs he was honest and we had great conversations is it more honest than most Christians yeah yeah and I mean there were there were times where um, we would drive around and I remember one time he was crying which you never see. I mean, he's he's bigger than me, and you know, just uh, you know, thug or whatever you want to call him. And um, he was just teary, and he said, "Can I come over and talk?" And sure, he got my house. And I said, "What do you want to talk about?" He said, "Nothing. I just I don't want to talk anymore." Okay, and so he said, "Why don't we just go drive?" We drove. I said, "You okay?" He's like, "No." And I said, "What's wrong?" He said, "I don't know." And. I waited and waited and I said, is God talking to you, Chris? And he just looked at me and said, yeah. I said, I can't get his voice out of my head and I just, I don't know what to do. And so I said, you know, so we started talking a little bit and um, he was trying, you know, he resisted as much as he could. But he, he would always introduce me to more friends of his that were drug users and mm-hmm. um it just my and my mom when she was out partying my I stayed up till four or five in the morning at my house. Yeah, I left my door unlocked all the time, and people came over twelve o'clock, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. Um, my house it wasn't a party house, but it was a house where they came if they were drunk or high or just to come chill. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just said as long as you don't bring drugs in my house, I don't care. And pe- people would come over that I didn't know. And they would introduce me. This is Mark the Christian. I'm like, shut up! Don't you know, you know. But everyone was really cool about <laughs> Mark the Christian. I just I don't like when people act different. But some of them yeah, tried to act yeah. different. But as I got to know all these people, you know, they acted normal around me because act yourself. Don't pretend to be somebody else. You know. Um, yeah. And so anyway, I tell I tell this story because um, so I'm at Walmart one time and. Um, there's a there's about five or six guys that were 
I mean, I don't, I don't know what it is that attracts people that want to fight me, but it's, it was like you know, twelve, one o'clock in the morning. I'm at Walmart getting some seventy nine cent sodas and some chips or whatever. He's and buying some chips, man. Let's go fight. That's here. right. I just, I was hungry. He's it's, buying soda, man. I'm gonna get him. <laughs> so they're threatening. So these guys find me and they're threatening to fight me, and they're walking. They're following me through the store, threatening me. And soon, they're like, as soon as you check out and leave, we're going to jump you. And I'm, I'm freaking scared to death. I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm going to die. And and um, so I didn't know what to do. So I didn't have a cell phone. So I went to the front and I said, can I use the phone? So I called Chris, the guy I know. I said, hey, I don't know what to do, man. Um, there's these guys that want to fight me. I'm scared. Um, are, you, are you busy? He's like, well, I'm at a party. I said, can you, like. Can you come down here? I, you know, I can't fight six guys. And mm-hmm. he said, I, he said I'll be there in fifteen minutes. I said okay. So I'm walking. I keep walking around because you know they're not going to do anything in the store. So they just they keep following me, waiting until I leave. And so, so I'm walking around. Then I see Chris. He's standing at the exit, and he waves me. I'm like, oh thank goodness. So I walk out. The guys are following me. They see Chris. I'm walking out with them. As soon as I walk outside, there's about 30 or 40 guys just standing there. I'm like, and Chris looks at me and says, go home. I look at him. I said, who are all these guys? He's like, and then another guy comes that I met. I met once. Mm -hmm. He says, we got it, Mark. Go home. (laughs) I said, what? He said, don't worry about it. We got you. You don't want to, you don't need to be a part of this. Okay. (laughs) So I got my car home and you know. About an hour later, they came. They came to my house, and I said, "How'd it go?" And they just smiled. I said, "Okay." <laughs> and Chris said, "You know, he said, Mark, whenever something like this happens, call me." He's like, "You know, you're you're Christian. We don't want you to be a part of this." I'm like, "So I got my like my own mafia." He's like, "Pretty much <laughs> Christian mafia." <laughs> so, so I mean, it was nice that you know, not the people in the mafia aren't Christian. You know, I'm not saying that. <laughs> yeah, yes, you are. <laughs> no, but I mean, so it was nice that um, you know they were recognizing they didn't want even they were doing bad things and and but they were willing to you know protect me in my life um, not because I witnessed and not because this and that but just because um, they saw I was genuine they saw that you know I was yeah. trying with my life and all this stuff so I think you know you know there's a time for God elevates God brings people in your life and there's a time to open your mouth and there's a time to not open your mouth and just work hard yeah shut up and work so yeah Anyway, sorry about the long-winded. No, not thing. really, because it's it's uh that's where this needs to go is explaining how this applies to our lives and on some of this like what 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 is your worth ethic at you know in people's eyes at your work? What do people know you for? And if people know you for being a Christian and arguing about things like flat Earth and that kind of crap, <laughs> I'm sorry, but if your work ethic sucks and you're arguing about flat Earth more than you're arguing about this is the way things should be done. This is the right way to do things in, in life. And this is, in Christ is my, my main, my main push. Yeah. That's what you should be doing. Not, not being known for being a Christian, arguing about something that's a fringe odd topic and then having a bad work ethic altogether yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Just another, another person I just want to say sometimes don't, don't tell anybody you're a Christian, please. Yeah. You, you make us all look like you. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I remember, uh, you know, I've, I've shared a story about the two um, 
gay guys, transgender that um, I had a built a friendship or whatever with, and <clears throat> I think I told you like one of them killed the other one's father by accident. Yeah, I just found out about a month ago. Um, the one, so he was out on probation. Um, the one that killed, and so I just found out about a month ago that the that one is now he's in prison and he's facing. I think they. I think um, his former boyfriend told me twenty five years plus for mm. murder. So I was like, man. So I thought about writing him a letter. I don't know what to say, but um, you know, I, I, you know, they just found out I'm a Christian through writing and through conversations. And there was, and you know, he he would you know tell me, you know, you're not like the other Christians I met. I said, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to be like. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a person who loves Jesus and I just have values that are different and, um, I don't want anybody to go to hell. Yeah. And so, um, when the time comes for me to open my mouth about it, like when, when I talked to him about it and, you know, you know, he said, yeah, but you're not preachy about it. And I said, well, there's no reason to be preachy about it. Um, I'm passionate about it. And I think that comes across, but it also comes across how you word things. You know, mm-hmm. you're not beating someone. Or, I mean, it's their decision, and you hope. And nothing you say, I think sometimes sometimes we talk like we have more influence in the Holy Spirit and more God. God's got to change their mind. God's got to work on their heart, yeah. and um, we can present things and and plant seeds. I think, but you know, ultimately, God's the one that's going to have to do the saving, not us. And yeah. Um, and I think sometimes when we, you know, when we're out there, that was another question I was going to ask, which I know this is getting long. This is a long winded thing, but like, you know, uh, you know, I'm against abortion. Um, I wouldn't necessarily go out and, you know, hold a sign across the street yeah. from an abortion clinic. And, and, you know, people are, you know, uh, against various things. I can't, the gay pride, you know, um, we need to take a stance and, well, one, you know, a sinner is going to be a sinner. You know, an yeah. unbeliever is going to be an unbeliever. So, I think, you know, in our culture, you know, I think there is a time to have conversations, but I don't think doing those kind of things make, it doesn't do anything good for yeah, God. Yeah, it's kind of like going on Facebook and arguing are you are you really thinking you're going to change that other person in this Facebook conversation right now, this this moment? Yeah, I've had some meaningful conversations with people, but it's, well, something you just said a second ago, the words you use and how you choose to say things has a lot to do with whether or not you can get through to them. Yeah, and you, know, you can say the wrong thing in two seconds. Especially written word can be read wrong. <laughs> That's true. So easily. So, but I've been on. Uh, I used to play the online. Uh, it's a little Hobbit game, but it's really just a city-building war game. And there was a uh, basically a chat box at the bottom. You could click in there if you don't want to play the game. You can just go in there and talk the whole time. <laughs> but uh, I had had conversations with other Christians that were going there and just constantly witnessed, and they were really obnoxious. I'm telling you, you're not doing anything good. You're not going to. I mean, we're on a, a worldwide game here where people can log in from Germany and Switzerland and wherever, yeah. and you're going to witness to them. And some of these people are like engineering doctorates and chemical engineers and 
they know some stuff and they have faith in their science yeah. and you're going to come over here and, and, and they're also young so they're still going to argue mm-hmm. and you're going to come over here and argue against them on a, a Hobbit game <laughs> you're not going to make a bunch of conversions we, are you just, we're not going to have a church in here yeah right there's no reason not just to say uh, if, if it comes up say I'm Christian and they see your game name and every time you log on they're going to look at the stuff you type in and yeah that's that, that's back to I mean as far as the game's concerned and you have a chat room uh, shut up and work well sometimes just shut up and talk about other stuff yeah yeah I mean we can't talk about other things I mean there is yeah. lot, I mean uh, you know there's a guy at our church uh, Jim who um, he plays this tank game and he was telling me um, you know, there's like a chat thing, and he's a part yeah. of this group, and and um, there's a guy from California, and um, they're just talking about tanks, and and then Jim would tell him, you know, yeah, I was in Iraq um, doing a, well, I don't even know what he did, but you know, he was in Iraq working as a contractor for a couple of years, and he's like, you know, I, I oh, look, you hit your piano piano over there. <laughs> I don't know what that was, <laughs> but um, he was talking about, you know. Um, tanks and the army and he likes and so they started just talking about that and um the person just kind of they just built a weird you know friendship online and he was you know telling them how he you know he was telling jim having a rough day and struggling with things and jim's like oh this is an opportunity this is the door yeah and so jim starts have you have, do you know jesus or have you heard you know jesus and he says well i heard of him but you know i don't know much about the bible and so jim's kind of started talking to him about god and yeah and so they've been kind of and he's like not pushy he just throws it in there when the guy changes the subject, he let him let, 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 lets it go. Follow the new and subject. Just whenever, and then when he comes back and says this, Jim's there to. Okay, well he knows I'm a Christian. He's the only one pointing to the Bible, and so he just kind of throws it yeah. out there. And so, <coughs> you know, you know when when I say preach yet, what I mean is you know you're not we're not forceful. You're it's a natural conversation. It's just yeah. it comes natural. Well, that's a neat thing you just said though. If you have a coworker who knows you're a Christian. And they are beginning to trust you with personal information. They have personal conversations with you. They know what you're going to point them to before you do it. And they're still <laughs> willing to talk to you about another personal matter the next day. Yeah. That it starts to become a leeway that they are giving you. They're letting you do it then. But you still don't go to them every single day and start right. throwing the book at them. Yeah, so that's a good point. Yeah, but like you said, talk about tanks today, and they start talking about having issues at home with their wife or their kids. Then point them in a direction they are already expecting you. But when they start talking about uh, guns, talk about <laughs> then guns. Go to guns. Yeah. I, I, yeah. There's a there's a guy at work who's uh he's not real like common sense smart, but he's he's ultra brainy and building things to code like uh, a silencer for his gun he made a silencer and had it licensed because you can do it yourself but you've got to go register it with the county and they'll give you a serial number and this kind of thing for what you've made I think you can only have like one or something hmm. but whatever it is he builds that kind of stuff himself and does, he, look, he researches a lot and designs things himself but I've also been with him out of town working so we're both in a class for the day go to a hotel change clothes and hey hey, uh, you want to go out to eat yeah where you want to go and we go there and at some point in the conversation 
he knows me and he knows what I'm going to talk about sometime <laughs> if the conversation gets serious. Yeah. And I, I have, but I've prayed for opportunities to speak to him. And every time I pray for an opportunity, like, Lord, it's been a long time since I got to talk to Jim about this right here. And he brings something up so it can happen. And it lasts for, you know, that conversation lasts for two or three minutes. And then we go and talk about other regular world stuff again. Yeah. I think that's another thing is, you know, pray for opportunities. and They'll happen. Yeah. You just got to wait. I mean, you know. I think sometimes, too, I feel like I'm not witnessing enough. But then I start realizing... uh when I meet people and an opportunity comes up, most of the time, that's my response is going to be something Bible-y. Yeah. And <laughs> there's a, there's another word for the dictionary. <laughs> Bible-y. That's an adverb, you know. <laughs> it's how you talk about things. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but you, uh, you just do it when you get the opportunity. And sometimes, like I said, I don't feel like I am witnessing enough, but I don't go knocking on doors. I do actually knock on doors for my job, but that gets me in the door. And yeah. as conversation goes on about normal things, I, I guess that's the thing is do what's right and then uh, just talk with people. I have joked with you many times how much I don't like people. Mm-hmm. I actually saw on the way here tonight, I, I saw, I, didn't, I can't say like a vision, but I was seeing in my mind that I was about to be hit by somebody within a mile up the road there's a person across from me wanting to turn left and I'm turning right and there's a break in the traffic and I start to go and I'm not sure where you the listener live who has the right of way but here the person turning right has the right of way over the person turning left so I start to go and I had just looked up the road left and I wasn't looking at them anymore because they don't have the right to go right they're now honking the horn at me, and they're about two foot from my driver's door fixing the T-bone me. Gosh. And they lay on the horn and kind of hit the brakes, and I hit the brake, and then I saw what was happening, so I nailed it because one of us got to go. And I laid back on the horn at them, <laughs> and I went, and they dropped really far back yeah. to get way out of my, my rear view. <laughs> and I thought, I, I, of course, I'm, I'm not using like pulpit words then. Of course not. <laughs> but. <laughs> hey, every once in a while, there's no pulpit words in me too. Like, uh, so it's really bad. So I'm, so the church that I work at, it's on a hill. And there's a turn at the top of the hill, which is, I don't know. I'm not good with measurement, but. There's a good ways. There's a good space from a, the church entrance to the. It's a thousand foot turn. away at least. So you know to turn the church, I gotta get in the median to turn in, because there's no like turning space. So you gotta get in the middle of the median to turn in, and so there's cars <laughs> that you know early in the morning. There's traffic backed up on the main road, so cars decide I'm just gonna drive up the median, you know, the thousand foot all the way to the turn. Yeah. To turn well. One, it's illegal. I've gotten pulled over for doing it. So. Yeah, it's illegal. Yeah, <laughs> I've gotten pulled over for it. And um, so here's some advice to you, the Christian: don't do things that are illegal, oh if nothing else. That's a really simple one. Go ahead. And and so my, <laughs> my wife has been in the car with me twice when I've done this, um, and she hates it. But I, you know, so I will pull over. <laughs> I don't know, thirty feet before the turn to get in the median, drive down. And there's cars meeting me face to face. I'm not budging. You just got to get back over. 
where you should be. Yeah, so yeah. I'll sit there and I'll they'll blow their horn and flick me off, and I'll sit there and smile at them and wave. And my wife's just sitting there with her head down, like, just, just smart, just get out of the median and turn on the second. No. And she's like, Mark, I said, I'm teaching them patience. And I'm teaching him that they need to do things the right way. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot of words in my head, you know. And I'm thinking, you know, I got pulled over for this. Where's the cop at? And I've, I've told our cop friend, yeah. man, man, if y'all want to put tickets in people's, you know, here's the place. So, anyway. So there's not a lot of friendly words in my head. And it's right yeah, before so work. When, when you're at work or when your coworkers be Christian, <laughs> but when you're driving... Uh, you throw it out the window. <laughs> well, Just. if you don't have Jesus stickers on your car... <laughs> I don't. I'm good. <laughs> if you got Jesus stickers on your car, you're, you're required to drive differently. The only problem with me is my van is very distinct with like the marks on it and and all that. So you know if they see it at the church and... And they see it, you know. Uh, anyway, the marks. I mean, the scratches. Those are the ones your wife put on it, right? Yeah, actually. Well, actually, so one of the one of the there's like a, a UPS truck, like a 16 wheeler. It made a turn. Yeah. And she was driving my car, and it like hit the bumper, and broke off the bumper, and broke the the headlight. And you know, she called me, and she told me, you know, 16 wheeler hit her, and I'm freaking out, like, oh my Does goodness. Does she count the wheels? I don't know. <laughs> Okay. So I called her freaking out, and she's like, no, I'm fine. He just turned it too close, and I said, okay. And she's like, well, I got to get the I gotta get the, the kids. She's a nanny. She, I got to get the kids to school, the other kids. I'm like, well, wait for the cop, and then just take the thing. What does my wife do? She takes $20 from the drug driver as long as she doesn't report it. And she's like, no, it's not a big deal. It's my husband's car. We don't need to get it fixed. It's already got marks on it. <laughs> I'm like, Kathleen, we could have got it fixed and some money or, you know, but, and then she was like, well, it's, it probably would have been the Christian thing to do. I'm like, the Christian thing was to get it fixed. But now you have, now we had to tie it so it doesn't fall off. So my lovely wife made a, made a rash decision. She's like, well, I got $20. I'm like, well, we could have got a little bit more than that. But anyway. Right, you could have got a couple hundred yeah. for But, you know. <laughs> It's my lovely wife trying to be a Christian in a secular culture. She's trying to be, jo- she's trying to be Joseph Jr. or jo- Josephette? Josephine. Josephine. <laughs> there you go. Who was Good. also uh, Charlie the Chocolate Factory guy, his aunt, uh, his grandmother. Oh. Joseph and Josephina was one set of grandparents. Really? And George and Georgina was the other set. I never paid attention to that. There's uh, Joseph and Josephina, or Josephine. Either way, and there's George and Georgina. That's the other set of grandparents. And then the, uh, what's the kid that? Uh, Charlie? Mike the bike? Oh. Or Mike the gun? What was he? Mike the gun. His parents, I think, were both named like Henry and Henrietta. I've never paid attention to that. And then, uh, what's the, what's the girl that smacks the gum? Violet? Violet. Violet, you're turning violet. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good quote. I think, I think her parents are also something like that. They're, they're all naming <laughs> the same. Oh, man. So, Joseph and Josephina. Mm. Anything else in this area? What you got? I don't think so. I mean, actually. Famine. 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 Happens. Famine it's wide, happens. It's, it's widespread. That sounds like a uh, 
Uh, Forrest Gump quote. <laughs> famine happened. <laughs> famine happened when you're not ready. <laughs> they came a run into me. <laughs> they put on their magic shoes and it led them to me. <laughs> Straight to Egypt. And I bought all their uh, horses and donkeys. <laughs> and I couldn't put Humpty back together again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I was going to look at, and it starts here in 41, Genesis 41, and kind of heads towards uh, Genesis 47 and Psalm 78. Just look at a place name here. I don't know if we talked about this. Sometimes when you and I turn, we haven't turned mics on yet. Or we turn mics off already because it's already going on like three hours. Yeah. And we say, well, that's enough. And then we turn it off and say, hey, did you notice this? <laughs> and we talk about our notes. And I'm thinking, I don't know if we recorded that conversation or just had the conversation. So <laughs> yeah. now we got to fake it. Yeah. But <laughs> storehouses and store cities. I don't think we talked about that on, on the podcast. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'll read a couple of these verses I got for you and just some of the, the odd connections that I thought were pretty neat. And kind of the uh, the end implications. Let's see, which will be two pages from now. So that'll be another hour and a half. <laughs> I'm just looking at my notes. I'm not really. <laughs> you can pause it and play it whenever you want to. Yeah. That's a beautiful, beautiful podcast. Uh, so Genesis forty one forty eight, and he that being Joseph, and he gathered up all the food of these seven years the earth produced abundantly, dot dot dot, and put the food in cities. There's your main your main deal. Verse forty nine, and Joseph stored up grain in great abundance until he ceased to measure it. Then I skip to uh, Genesis forty seven five. Pharaoh said to Joseph. And I skip a little bit there because I'm trying to get the main, uh, main point or keep it tunneled down. Verse 6, Pharaoh said to Joseph, settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them settle in the land of Goshen. Verse 11, then Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them his possession in the land of Egypt in the best of the land in the land of Ramses as Pharaoh had commanded. So Pharaoh says, let them settle in Goshen. So Joseph put him in Ramses. So obviously the land of Goshen is the land of Ramses. Mm-hmm. Just put some connections together there. Like we call, you may say you live in Greenville, you may say you live in Malden. Malden is Malden not in Greenville County? Um, Parts of it. Okay. Yeah. So I could live in Greenville County but live in Greer. I could live in Greenville County but live in Greenville City also. Mm-hmm. Both are Greenville County. I could easily then say, without Greenville County or city, I could just say I live in Greenville. If I meet a person from uh, Virginia who comes in here occasionally, and I meet them somewhere in a restaurant, and we get to talking, and it's, the fact comes up they're not from around here, and maybe we're we're an hour from home or something where I meet them. And they say, so are you from around here? And I say, no, I'm from Greenville. And they say, oh, I know Greenville. Well, they don't really know Greer. <laughs> yeah. They don't know uh, O'Neill area where I actually live, which is not really a defined area. It's just Greer. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's part of it's an old township name, which doesn't technically exist anymore, but it's still called that in the general area. So it's a really, really local colloquial name. Yeah. And if you haven't been in that area, then you don't know that. You might know O'Neill Grocery where you can get a good hot dog because <laughs> that's on the way to the dump. 
<laughs> it's a Greenville County dump, though. It's not an O'Neill dump. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's in Greer, but it's not in Greer. It's out in the country, but it's still Greer. Mm. So all these things put together, I'm just saying that Goshen is Ramses. Mm. And where else is it? Psalm seventy-eight, twelve. In the sight of their fathers, he performed. This is God. He performed wonders in the land of Egypt, in the fields of Zoan. So context is the events of the Exodus. Context for that psalm. A lot of times, the the psalm writers will write a story or whatever, and it'll be a context of recalling the good things that God has done, or recalling the signs and miracles that God has done. So they often refer back to Egypt when He brought them out of the house of slavery. But in this area right here, he calls. Uh, he says they they saw the wonders that God did from the fields of Zoan. So that's why I want to kind of go through and look at some of these names. Hmm. It's kind of neat. Goshen. There are two Goshens. Goshen means drawing near. One's in Canaan. It's mentioned three times. It's either a district or a city. The other one is here in Egypt. It's mentioned 12 times. It's a district or regional name. And that would be the drawing near of all 12 brothers, all 12 tribes. When they all came down, they were told to settle in an area. <coughs> Happens to mean drawing near. All 12 brothers are coming together. Jacob is bring, being brought down to see his son Joseph again. They're bringing all their wives, kids, and cattle. Hmm. And... They are all drawing together or drawing near. Exodus 1 7. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly and multiplied and grew exceedingly strong, so that the land was filled with them. Exodus 1 8. Now there was a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph, and he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Verse 10, Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and if the war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Verse 11, Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramses, or Ramses. So we get back to the, the land of Ramses here. Um... If you see uh, Ramesses or Ramses, one in the English is spelled R-A-M-E-S-E-S. One is spelled R-A-A-M-S-E-S. They're both exactly the same in Hebrew. I started to say Korean. They're both exactly the same in the <laughs> Hebrew. It's just a matter of... It's one of those things that the dot that is... Or the two dot combination that's under two of the letters is either a syllable stop for the, the previous syllable or it's an A sound syllable or A sound vowel for that syllable so you can pronounce it two different ways possibly but either way it's the same area this just gets down to the fact that uh, the Hebrews that were in Egypt were turned into slave labor and they built Ramses the city it's a store city Hmm. so Pharaoh uh, Joseph Excuse me. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Settle your father and your brothers in the land of Goshen. He settled his father and brothers in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh commanded. And they saw the signs of God in the land of Egypt in the fields of Zoan. Just keeping keeping track of all that together. The people grew exceedingly 
they were they were fruitful and multiplied the land was filled with them and then they were turned basically into slaves and they built store cities one of them being the name of where they supposedly had already settled just keeping track of those uh, Goshen Ramses was the other one Zoan and uh, yeah they're all referred in different ways right? but that's basically it <clears throat> so they settled in Goshen meaning drawing near they settled in Ramses which means son of the sun they lived in Goshen while the plagues were going on because Yahweh said to Moses I will set apart the land of Goshen where my people dwell Exodus 8.22 they saw the ten plagues from Zoan according to that Psalm 78 verse we read Zoan means the place of departure so they had settled in Zoan because that's where they left from they would have seen the plagues from where they lived they lived in Goshen they lived in Zoan Zoan is Goshen hmm. Hmm. so just looking at this is like they would have referred to the place as drawing near when they moved there and they would have referred to it as the place of departure when they left there. Just need, I guess, also to look at uh, four hundred years of people. Yeah, <laughs> like some things come to mean something else. <laughs> so, if you heard of, of the the Greek name Tanis, Tanis is Zoan. Okay, Zoan, uh, Goshen is Zoan. Zoan is Avarice. And the Greeks call it tennis. It is modern San or San El Hagar. You can triangulate it on the map. I, I want. I, I'm sure we talked about this, but either way, you can you can look at a modern map of Egypt and type in Olad Sakar and Kafra Sakar. I was always sure we had talked about this. Either way, you can follow those two uh, highways. And they basically take you to an area because you'll see it called uh, Olad Sakar San El Hagar Highway. And the other one will triangulate and point towards the same kind of direction, but it'll be called Kafar Sakra San El Hagar Highway. It's the highway between the two places. Hmm. So even though San El Hagar is not really labeled for you easily because it's kind of a regional area, there is a place at the other end of Kafar Sakar. San Hargar Highway that is called Kafasakra. And it's labeled for you can see. So it's obviously not that end, it's the other end, and you can go the highway to see where it's going to end up. So you've got these two highways and their names are City One, City Two Highway. And the other one is City Three, City Two Highway. So City One and City Three are both pointing towards City Two. So huh. you can triangulate it and say, that's actually where all of our Bible maps show the Jews lived. <laughs> That's interesting. Just, just interesting that because we change names and change names and change names, but you, if you start tracing some of the names back, you start seeing there's plenty of modern evidence still sitting there. That's cool. And Hassan and I did zoom in on the map. Uh, I wish I had saved a picture right here in my notes, but you can zoom in on the map <clears throat> in that city that you can kind of narrow down is San Alhagar. And you can see an old, uh, like a, a area of old ruins. The same if you've ever gone to any ruins or seen pictures of ruins, like Roman ruins. Uh, we saw these in Tunis. 
it'll be like an old library and they're saying this is the old library it's like <laughs> it's a flat area of uh, flat stones <laughs> and there are about two foot high columns that are broken off so you're telling me this used to be a building either way there's that's what you end up seeing with a lot of ruins we went into the church of uh carthage which was the largest church in north africa at its time at its peak and what's left are about <coughs> three to four foot high walls outlining where the building used to stand and then down to the center of it is rows and rows of columns which used to hold the roof up but what's left there is you know four to five foot high representation of what used to exist and that's what you end up seeing on the map presently from satellite pictures in Egypt and San Al-Hagar do you know do you know why um, because I know in some places when they bulldoze Excuse me. When they bulldoze like cities, they'll take everything and build on top. You know what I mean? Like yeah. so, things are buried. You know, layers and layers because yeah. they just pile. Then there's other places where things are just kind of standing. They're just in ruin. They're just not. You know. Do you know why some places are built on top of other places as opposed to other places are just kind of left as? You're talking. About, you're saying bulldozing, but you mean. Ancient cultures, yeah, yeah, used to build on top of, and I don't know why they would not utilize buildings that are already there, but it seems to be for some reason they would well, why, heap up dirt. Because we we talk about you know like though I don't I don't know when did they stop, but like you know Rome, where the times of the Romans, yeah, you know there's cathedrals and you know ancient buildings of where they would fight and all that stuff. So I, I I just wonder why those buildings still stand as opposed to other places where they would just we're just gonna wipe it and build on top. Don't have a clue. Oh, I was curious. If Cult, you knew. Cultural preference of the the winner. Mm-hmm. Two cultures battle over some area, and the one that wins decides to do what they want to do. And mm-hmm. I, I don't see the reason why you would because uh, it's something you see in Old Testament when God brings the Hebrew people into the land of promise. He basically kind of in speaking through Moses says I'm going to give you houses you didn't build so they're going to live in the houses of the Canaanites that they're going to kill instead of heaping up piles of dirt and stone over their village and building brand new villages over it no point I mean no reason doesn't, I, don't, I don't get the, the logic in that yeah. and it's obviously something I don't know that is logical because too many people have done it too many, too many cultures yeah not just uh, this one guy did it I too mean, many it could- yeah. Yeah. So, but in the other way, there's also plenty of people who have uh, take Jerusalem. When people have between the uh, the Dark Ages Christians from Europe and uh, Muslims here and there throughout time, flopping back and forth, fighting over this this one city, <laughs> and now there's individual quadrants for. There's a Christian quadrant. There's a Muslim quadrant. This kind of thing. So, but they are not uh, necessarily building on top of the old civilization. They're living within the buildings that have been there forever. Yeah, that's true. You look at you just look up regular pictures. Just type in Jerusalem pictures and look at the pictures of the streets. These have been architect designed by in very old styles, and they've been put in place. They're cut stones. And when you move in, why would you tear it down and have to rebuild just 
if you're going to say this is ours now, then just live in the, the doors yeah. that are already there to lead to a house. I appreciate you building this. Yeah. Thanks. So. so all you, I get it. If you do it right, all you got to do is rebuild the wall that you knock down to get in and kill the people. <laughs> Basically, right? Yeah. If you're not going to eat these Snickers and stuff. <laughs> I was just looking at pictures of Ramses, Ramesses, or whatever it's called. Find anything interesting? No, I just, I was just kind of like, you know, seeing mm. a few pictures that. A couple of touch. There you go. <laughs> oh man, I'm taking the map. Anyway. That's what I was doing while you were talking. I was just like, as you were looking at the cities, I was clicking, and then you didn't really mention anything else about um, P- Pythum? Pythum. Pythum. So then I started looking at Pythum. And Let's see if. Uh... No, I ain't really. I, I was just curious because it was associated with um, Ramses, if there was any kind of. I don't know if it was a separate city or if it was just kind of like a. I believe I got uh, tied up on. When I found that to be something live on the the map there oh lord second okay so there's so there's Ramses in the north and the Goshen there's Pitham on the bottom keep that picture up for a second and see if I can match it up with something here what is those two bodies of water on the right um, Lake Bala, B A L L A H, and Timsa, T I M S A H. There's another lake down there, but I just wonder if I can find some representation of those. I'm just zooming out to see where. So there's there's Egypt, there's Mount Sinai. We match with where you're at there, where they're saying it is. There's Canaan. See that one of those big bodies of waters has drastically changed now. This one. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, come down right above Sukkoth. Above and below Sukkoth. Oh, that one? Yeah. Those two bodies of water are drastically changed from what they are in that picture to this here. Hmm. You have a modern? Yeah, I'm looking at a, a present map right okay. now. But for the most part, still, you are in an area northwest of Cairo, in, or excuse me, northeast of Cairo, west of Ismailia. The area now is called Sharkia. Hmm. Yeah, Sharkia now is kind of like uh, Goshen. And it's in Sharkia that I see Kafr Sakra and Ohlad Sakra. 
Yeah, Sanohagar Kafasakara. It's one name for that whole that highway. Oh, here's a road called Tanis El Hosania. Tanis is the other name for that. It's the Greek name for that that city. Hmm. See if I can get, yeah, yeah. Here's the ruins. <clears throat> you can see the outlines of buildings right there. Oh wow! Now back out slowly and see where you're at on the the actual whole map. You can basically type in, like, go to regular map and type in San, S A N L E L, Hagar, just like Hagar. Hmm. San El Hagar, and it'll take you to that area. Huh. It's just odd that it will still be, the ruins will still be there to see. Well, I really thought we were going to finish uh, Joseph tonight, so. <laughs> it's been an hour 45. That's all it's been? Okay. Well, we got three more hours in us then. <laughs> uh, I do want to clean up that little area about uh, the cities right there. Okay. So a new king comes up over Egypt, and this is just taken out of what we just read a moment ago. It's probably a reference to the time that the upper... Egyptian dynasties rallied together to drive out the Hyksos, the shepherd kings, back into Canaan. It has been funny to me, because I thought at first, like, David, you're really interested in this, but you're kind of obsessed with it, the Hyksos. But it's odd how often just studying Genesis and Exodus area, a lot of things bring me to the subject matter of the Hyksos repeatedly over and over again. Uh, But you can see back here... Genesis, excuse me, Exodus 1, 8. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Verse 9, and he said to his people, he is not seeing himself as one with Zaphonopaneah. Whoever this Zaphonopaneah guy was, this Joseph, he's not one of us. I don't know him. I don't recognize him. Verse 10, whoever he's speaking to, his people, he refers to them, lest they join our enemies and fight against us. So he is seeing, he's, he's making a real distinction between himself or in, in the Egyptians and whoever these other people are yeah. that could rise up against them with their enemies. Their enemies, if this is who I think it is, this fits in Egyptian history when you flip the map. Upper Egypt is up the Nile, but it's South Egypt, looking at the map. When Southern Egypt or Upper Egypt was still the bloodline, but they were the weaker, 
they were the weaker government basically when Egypt had been split into two different main areas most of the immigrants had come in and it makes perfect sense why immigrants came in to Egypt famine (laughs) where did they settle they settled in northern or lower Egypt which is Goshen that's where the Hebrews settled but many other people left Egypt with them when they left all Lower Egypt or Northern Egypt in the lower bottom part of the Nile as it going it's going towards it's going north towards the Mediterranean. All that area seems to have become something else, and there was a Hyksos dynasty of you know for a time when Upper Egypt fought back. There was a time when they rose up and basically said, we need to fight for our bloodline and our land and take our land back, and they pushed the Hyksos out. The Hyksos according to history, went back into Canaan. So, if we take what we know from history of the Hyksos and layer it over the book right here of Genesis and Exodus, basically they all came in because of famine. There was a non-Egyptian bloodline person in charge. Over time, they set up their own rulers. And then over time again, the original bloodline of Egypt fought back and pushed them out. Now he looks and says, I don't know this Joseph guy. And we need to do something about him and his people because he's not one of us. And they might join our enemies. Their enemies were the the Hyksos they just pushed out. Hmm. So they make them slaves and they build these two cities. They build storehouses. So where they originally joined... In the good times of blessing, or excuse me, joined, where they originally moved to when they came down in the good times when Joseph was the man, and where God was blessing Joseph, he brings his whole family down, and they are blessed, and they are abundantly fruitful, and they multiply, multiply, multiply. It's just a funny picture to look, or maybe it's not funny, it's a picture to look at and see that they spent so much time there in their land of blessing and fat abundance that they become slaves to that same place. <laughs> yeah. And it's later called the house of slavery. <laughs> that is interesting. It, it just all revolves around, I guess, them kind of like preachers usually say, do you have your stuff or does your stuff have you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and they had Goshen, then Goshen had them. And I, and I do wonder, you know, how, how this new pharaoh like forgot joseph i don't think he forgot that's what i'm saying i think he was a original bloodline egyptian and he was saying i don't recognize him meaning kind of like uh he's not if you don't egyptian you don't recognize the power of another sovereign nation like israel is not recognized by many muslim nations around them israel is still there they still have a president who is still there. They still have a military force and culture and food and, and Hebrew people who speak Hebrew there and eat uh, <laughs> they eat uh, bread. <laughs> Just like Koreans eat rice, they eat bread. They're doing their regular everyday life there. But then there's nations around them. They don't recognize Israel as a nation. They say, we do not recognize you. We don't know who you think you are. Okay, gotcha. I just, I'm, that's my opinion on what I think that really means there. Well, we figure Egypt was always good. Well, most ancient places were seemingly good at taking records and 
you know, yeah. keeping the bloodline and keeping what's ours, documenting yeah. things. So that's why I figured it'd be just kind of weird for a pharaoh to, especially a person who was a part of the po- political power. Yeah. I mean, second in charge of Egypt. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he just vanished off of Egyptian yeah. records. Right. So. Well, Egypt was one that I have seen when I have been looking before, though. They will. You talking about building over an, uh, an old city? A lot of pharaohs. This as I've read this repeatedly. Would go to temples and stuff that have a particular statue with another pharaoh's name on it, and basically re-engrave their name over it. So, in a sense, you end up losing a lot of records because the next guy is jealous of the last guy in a way, or he wants to make himself seem eternal, like he's always been here. And there's not a line, in a sense, that but there's. Uh, I mean, there's some places where they miss it because that's why how we know that the uh, the last one did exist. Because we don't know all the pharaohs' names anyway. I don't, I think, don't so. think so. I don't think so. And, and honestly, I haven't gotten into uh, tons of Egyptian pharaohs' history. It's kind of like trying to follow Chinese dynasties <laughs> when you follow Egyptian dynasties. Same thing. Yeah. But. Uh, one thing we studied when we looked at uh, Zeus and the Nephilim is that any place that seems to have a uh, a myth or a legend about a god and a human mixing, the offspring become the royal bloodline, which is also what happened with Egypt's uh, original myths, mythologies. Yeah. So this is probably some bloodline Nephilim saying we got to get the shepherds out of here <laughs> starting to smell like sheep poop well they're multiplying and they're taking the city me nation yeah so me <laughs> just another thing but that's that's what I'm thinking of is it's when we get into exodus what's that just about if Israel is multiplying so quickly and threatening to the point of Pharaoh saying, hey, we got to take care of this. We need to treat them, you know, stop being nice, treat them harsh, yeah. make them submissive. You figured if Israel was multiplying, they should have rose up, but instead they just submitted. There's something about that, though. I don't I don't understand that maybe, and I don't understand that as an American, I guess. Why large numbers of people bow down to one guy with a gun? Like these videos that we see of, uh, what are they? It's not Hamas anymore, but what's ISIS. The, ISIS. We see videos of ISIS marching. There's like four or five guys with guns marching out uh, a line of 50 prisoners, and they're going to cut their heads off on the beach. That just wouldn't happen in America, simply because Americans would say, a couple of us are going to get shot, but we're going to kill you. We're going to storm you and take your weapon and kill you because there's only five of you. Yeah. And, and, and if not, not trying to brag, but that's why you see stories of, uh, I don't know the movie name, but there's a story in a movie made about it, about two American soldiers who were basically on vacation in France. And uh, a Muslim tried to, or a terrorist tried to stand up basically and kill a person or two or I forget the details, but the two American soldiers are like, this ain't happening. They beat the guy up <laughs> and held him until they got to the next stop and told the authorities and had him arrested. 
that's what happened when two American soldiers were president or present. Yeah. But what if they had not been there? Would the people who were on that train have stood up and done anything for themselves? Yeah. And I'm just just saying it's our culture to fight, really. Well, it's just like, you know, the 9-11 attacks, some people apparently tried to, you know, some of them just accepted, hey, the planes being hostage were gone. Yeah. Even though there's like, you know, f- two or three or four with guns, but... I thought it was there. not guns, but just box cutters. That, I don't remember the details. I, I don't remember the details either now. It's been, that's been so long ago, so it was like... 2001. Wow. I know, right? Almost 20 years ago. God. <laughs> Isn't that wild? It's wild how old I am now. <laughs> I mean, I still remember it, so I haven't forgotten it. Not that old. Yeah, it'd be <laughs> 17 years this year. Yeah. So. Wow. listening to the two spies podcast if you would like to join in on the conversation go to numa.life and leave a comment make sure to subscribe on itunes google music or whatever app you're listening on for additional articles on faith and life visit numa.life